Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Bow your heads with me. God, we're grateful for another opportunity to hear from you. Your word is divine, Father. We worship you. Open our hearts as we receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. We're gonna start with our launch scripture from 2 John. 2 John chapter three. This is where I wanna start because, because last week we, we, we did a lot of exploration. We explored the dichotomy between two men, Judas and Jesus, each of which died on a tree. Of course, for two very different reasons. Now, too many of us, yourself perhaps included, are tying yourself to the tree that Judas tied himself to. Some of you may be tying yourself to the tree that Christ was hung on, but you don't belong on either. You don't belong on either. And so at the foot of the cross is where you belong. And that's where we left you last week, is that you don't belong dying the death that Christ died for you. You don't belong on the tree that Judas was tied to. You belong on the foot of the cross. And today, this is where we pick that up. Now, at the foot of the cross, there begins a journey called peace. There begins a path called peace that stems from the foot of the cross. Second John chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Second John, verse 3, it says, grace mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and in love. Grace, mercy, and peace. At the foot of this cross, there begins a path of peace. And this path, this journey that you're on has two shoulders. A shoulder on your right called grace and a shoulder on your left called mercy. And throughout your time on this path of peace, you're going to need both grace and you're going to need mercy. And today we're going to launch into, at least for this first portion, what grace actually is. Because I'm convinced, family, and all of those listening online, that as Christians and believers, we don't really understand what grace is or how it works. I'm convinced of that. I'm not going to say that just about non-believers because I'm not expecting for somebody who doesn't believe in Christ to understand the concepts and the mechanism of what grace is. That's not my expectation. But for a believer, you call yourself a Christian, one who believes in that resurrection that we celebrated last week. My expectation would be for you to operate and live your life a certain way under grace. But, but how many of you came in today bearing shame? bearing the burden of guilt. How many of us walked in the threshold of this door today with the fear of failure in our pocket? How many of us live our lives performance-driven or perfection-seeking? How many of us have unhealed wounds? How many of us have anxiety about tomorrow? How many of us are depressed and unsure of what the future holds? How many of us live in fear because we feel we will never measure up. Christians, how are you living your life under grace? Grace, very simply put, is when you receive a favor that you didn't deserve. Now mercy is when you don't receive a consequence that you did deserve. I'm gonna say this again. Grace is when you receive favor that you didn't deserve. Now mercy, 
is when you don't receive a consequence that you did deserve. For the purposes of this message, I want to define grace as the following, and we're going to put it up on the screen. It is unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. It is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. Now, I want to break these down beginning with unmerited. Unmerited is, is, is where we're going to begin. Unmerited, to be merited or to merit something, the dictionary definition says it is to be worthy or entitled to. It is to be worthy or entitled to, so you are not worthy, nor are you entitled to the gifts of grace, okay? So, so, so follow me here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Listen, listen to what it says. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is unmerited grace. This is a gift that you did not work for. I want to make it even a little more clear. We're going, to, we're going to read the same scripture from the message version of the Bible. Listen, the message says, now God has us where he wants us. Check this out. With all time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. Listen, I don't, I don't typically read from the Message Bible when I'm preaching, but, but this is too good to pass up. It said, saving is all his idea and all his work. Yes. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. Yes. From start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. God does both the making and the saving. Too many of us, however, cannot grab on to this gift of grace because we believe that it must be something that we make and that us must be something that we save. Too many of us have learned through our own experiences in our lives, our childhoods, our marriage, our employers, that you can only be the recipient of a gift that you are merited for, a gift that you are worthy of, a gift that you are entitled to. But that is not what the scripture is saying about grace. Remember, we're talking about what's at the foot of the cross. There's a path called peace at the foot of the cross, and there is on the right side a shoulder called grace you may need to pull off onto, and there is on the left side a shoulder of mercy you may need to pull off onto, and we're talking about grace. Your vertical connection to God is only one part of this, however. See, because if the sun is shining and the cross behind you, behind that cross, there is casted a shadow. And that shadow is a path called peace. And that shadow shows two lines, one vertical line, and it shows one horizontal line. However, there are Christians among us, perhaps myself included, who believe that this path goes only one direction. But this cross is not a, a, a unidirectional path. It is a bi-directional path. What am I saying? I'm saying that to the same degree that you experience a vertical connection with Christ, 
Woo! You also, therefore, have the responsibility for a horizontal connection with people. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want to hear this, though, because we aren't accepting grace for ourselves. We, we, we don't want to accept the responsibility of the horizontal connection, the horizontal extension of love from one person to another because we are struggling with our own vertical connection with the giver of this gift. We believe that we are not worthy, that we cannot receive, that we must earn this gift called grace. And how does that manifest in your life then? It manifests in your life by you not giving grace to those around you. I'm going to ask you the question, how easily do you forgive your wife? How easily do you forgive the person who cut you off in traffic? Coming in, in, into church today. Coming in today. How, easy, how, how bothered are you by those around you who get in your way or those who hurt you? There may therein be an indicator of your own perception of grace. You can sometimes measure your vertical connection of the cross based upon the love that you extend horizontally. And if you are troubled or find it difficult to love the people around you, I want to ask you, how loved do you believe you are? If grace is something you struggle to extend, how much grace are you believing you're receiving from God? Because you don't want it for other people. Because you have not accepted it for yourself. And you cannot want for another person purely what you struggle to accept for yourself. This is a prickly part of the word. It's prickly, I know, I, I, I feel it, I feel it as well. It's challenging. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to how grace is unmerited, the only thing you can do with unmerited favor is receive it. The only thing you can do with unmerited favor is to receive it. We're talking about grace. Grace is also undeserved. Grace is undeserved. Now, Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ. The definition of deserve is to do something or have the qualities that qualify worth. Deserve is to do something or have the qualities that qualify worth. But in Romans chapter 3, it says that all of us have fallen short. All of us have tripped up. All of us have sinned. And the very nature of sin has us conditioned to look for our worth. Where now we get confused about what we deserve and what we're allowed to receive from Christ because of what we feel about our own self. And this is how sin works. I want to make something plain for you is that the, the, the Greek word for grace that we see in the New Testament is called haris, haris. Haris is a word that does not just say what grace is. Haris is a word that actually explains an exchange between two people. Let me explain this. In, in, in the culture of the biblical times, in the Greek culture, what we would see is that there would be a person who has something and then a person who is in need of something. 
A person who has and a person who is in need. Now, grace comes in because there's a third person in this exchange of haris, okay? The third person in exchange of haris is, is kind of like an intercessor. It's an intermediary. It's a person who creates the connection between the person who has and the person who does not have. So in other words, it's a broker. It's a broker. The broker will connect with the person who's in need of something. The broker will then go and find the person who has what this person needs. Then the broker will connect the two of them so that the resourceless can receive from the resourced person. But here's where this grace becomes powerful. It's because in this concept of Haris, the broker, that middle person, does not only connect the two, the broker actually purchases the item that is needed. Now, the broker is not the one that needs. The person over here is the one that needs. The person over here is the one that has. But what we see is in this exchange, culturally, the broker will connect the two and the broker will purchase the item that is needed by the needed person. How many of you can stand here today and know and say confidently that you are standing in the reception of the grace God bought for you? How many of you know that you are standing here today and that you can experience and receive this grace because God paid in full a price you no longer need to pay? God, the ultimate intercessor, the ultimate intermediary, the ultimate broker was the one who paid the price. You are paid in full. You may not deserve it, but Jesus said you're worth it. When I think about what this looks like in my life, I think of a story. I was 19 years old. I wanted to transition out of managing and serving in restaurants, and I wanted to do something that would give me a little bit more supervisory experience, and so I ended up having the opportunity to work alongside my brother. My brother, he's 15 years older than me, he has a best friend who was the vice president of a company that was contracted with General Motors. I ain't gonna say the name of the company because this story's kind of embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Like, I, I didn't want to tell this story, but, 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 but it's too good. Listen, my, bro my, brother's, my brother's best friend is the vice president of this company. And so he had a little space, a little, a little elbow grease. He had a little, a little leverage, okay, that he could pull us on to his team of people who were like quite a few, you know, reams under him. And so on the first day, we still had to interview for this job. On the first day um, after getting hired for this job, orientation. Now, this is, this is what's embarrassing about it is that I thought, I thought for some reason I would be able to work a full-time job and then a part-time job and then go to school part-time. I thought I could do both because we got hired for the full-time job, but I was greedy and I wanted this part-time job that wanted to interview me on the first day of my full-time job. So at lunch break, I'm not, a, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. On my first day of work, on my full-time job, at lunch, I left and I went to an interview for this part-time job. And my brother and I rode together, and we had to get lunch at the same time. So here we are. We're out here. This interview took way longer than it was supposed to. I come back to the full-time job, and the full-time job, I come back 45 minutes late, you guys. 45 minutes late. Come back 45 minutes late. The HR VP dismissed us. She said, I don't know what you guys did, 
but you had one hour, it's been an hour, almost two hours, you're done here, goodbye. Now, 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 now this did not hurt me for me only. This hurt me because this job was gonna be, this was a breakthrough for my brother. And it was his best friend that got us the job. My brother was dismissed as well. And I remember sitting in the parking lot of the store next door with tears in my eyes. I'm in my car, he's in his, and we're just looking at each other because this was my brother's breakthrough. This, my brother needed this for where he was in his life. I was a college student. I was still living at home with mom. I could have done without the job, but I messed it up for me and I messed it up for my brother. And I'll never forget, we sat there and we just looked at each other for an hour and a half. And I couldn't say nothing to my brother because I was so hurt by the mistake that I made. I was so hurt because I could not do anything to fix this. It was already a job I didn't deserve because I got pulled into it because my, my brother had the best friend. My brother called his best friend and he said, hey, we messed up. It was me, I messed up. My brother said, we messed up. Can you do anything? My brother's best friend said, let me call you right back. And in five minutes, my brother looked at me, he said, let's go back to work. And we went back to work that day, the first day, after I messed up, after I, there's nothing I could do to fix it. There's nothing I could do to, to repair my mistake. There was nothing I could do to change the circumstances, but, but I want you to capture this family. I want you to capture this. You, were, you, were, you didn't even deserve the life you were given in the first place. And it feels like you don't deserve the second chance at life that you were given with grace. But I want you to tell you that just like my brother's best friend, you have a VP in heaven who can stand between you and the judge, the HR manager. You have a vice president in heaven who says, no, I got these guys. Give them one more chance. Give them another opportunity. No, you have a vice president in heaven called Jesus who exercises grace by giving you an opportunity to fix what you messed up again and again and again and again and again and again. And then again and again and again and again and again. This is grace. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You're not merited to receive it. But God loves you more than all of those things. The foot of the cross is where you belong. Not on this tree, not on the cross. At the foot of the cross is where you belong. And from that foot stems a path called peace. Use the grace on your journey. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message of grace, God. Thank you for being everything that you are and everything we need you to be. In Jesus' name, amen.